Hey team, it's Matt Drinkon here. And you might have heard, my brand new book releases on Amazon on March 8th. It's been a labor of love that I think can really help you navigate some of the challenges you're experiencing in your own life. I go over toxic positivity and how to think you're in it for everyone else. In reality, you're in it for yourself. And I express that through this entire book and help learn from our own mistakes and how to turn the lens on ourselves and ask good questions. So go to Amazon on March 8th and you can get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late. And you can download it directly to your device. That's it for me. Let's get into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host, Matt Drinkon. Welcome back to the Eternal Optimist Podcast. I am incredibly excited for today's guest. This is Mr. Hananya Abraham is with me today. And he was recommended to me by Rena Friedman Watts from the Better Call Daddy Podcast. And anyone that Rena's ever recommended has been just an absolute rock star. And it's just great to meet Hananya. And I'm going to probably missay his name at least once today. So I'm going to ask for patience in advance. Hananya, how are you today, my friend? Thank you so much for having me, Matt. Everything is awesome, and you're pronouncing my name perfectly. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, let me ask you this. You say everything is awesome. What goes into everything is awesome for you today? Why do you say that? Well, I had a really good coffee, so that's a good place to start. A good morning, getting the kids off to school. I wish I would have gotten a little more sleep today, but I guess towards the end of the week, it's a little harder to get sleep done as you want to get everything done for the week. So other than that, just trying to be as positive as possible. Yeah. So you had a really good coffee is the first thing that came out of your mouth. And I know that my wife, she's huge into her coffee. We have this French press, we grind the beans, we make the coffee, like it's a ritual. And it's something we really look forward to and enjoy every morning. What is your coffee ritual? Like, what do you drink? What does that look like? Okay, so I'll try to read like as short as possible over here. I used to be crazier than I am. I used to get our beans of South America and roast them and really grind them daily. Now we're at a point where the mornings are a little bit tighter on time with all the kids at home. We have an espresso virtual machine and I like the Mexican blend, which is dark green capsule for those of you that might be familiar with it. It has to be in a glass cup and the cup has to be sitting with hot water in it first for a little bit because I don't like when the coffee comes into it and it's so the coffee cup has to be warmed up first before the coffee goes into it. And just straight up coffee as is. I love the flavor of coffee. So being able to sit with my wife for a few minutes this morning as the kids are getting off to school, it was a nice little treat. I don't get that every day. You have a special particular coffee mug for you or it doesn't matter. So I used to say yes. And then kids have a way of getting into daddy's things. And I think after the second daddy's cup that broke, you know what? Any cup will do. But I like having a glass cup. I find it really cool to see what it is that you're drinking. So I try to have a glass mug. But other than that, nothing specific. I don't have my mug anymore the way I used to. Okay, cool. Well, thank you for indulging my little coffee fantasy down here. I love morning rituals and things that kick off our day and give us a little bit of energy or a little bit of peace at being present. and. So thanks for indulging that. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit about your bio for our group here so the team knows who you are, at least on paper. Then you can comment on it as well. Then we'll dive in. So first, it says here, you have a distinguished career spanning over a decade now. You're a seasoned psychotherapist, renowned for expertise working with teenagers, young adults, and families. Your passion lies in fostering open, empathetic communication between adolescents and parents, crafting resilient parenting strategies and facilitating transformation trauma-based workshops. 
And wow, I'm even more excited to talk now because this is exactly what we need. And this is the place for that. So fantastic. There's much more down here. Let's just dive in. Hananya, what is something if you can look from today all the way back to when you were born, any time in your past, what is something that has been very challenging for you to endure or overcome so far in your life? Well, I knew about this question before we got on here today, and I had one answer. And then this morning, I had a different answer. And then as we started talking, I think I had a different answer. And then asking me the question now, I think I have a different answer. So it's sort of trying to figure out the right way to talk about it. But I think my answer that I've been thinking about really come down to having a healthy balance. And I think that's different when you're a little kid to where you are as a teenager, where the concept of balancing both your academic, social and family life is going to be something that you want to make sure you're doing right. And you don't want to upset the parents. But yet also as a teenager, socially, it's one of the most important things in the world. So you don't want to piss off anybody there. And then you still have academics. You want to make sure that you're doing right. And then as you get older and go into college and your priorities change, things change again. And then as you become an adult and here I am sitting with you, a psychotherapist for 15 years at this point, five kids and my own private practice, and the balance has changed as well. So I would say for sure the number one thing that is constant and is also constantly changing is balance between work, life that I need to continue to work on. And I think it shows up in so many different ways. So that would be my short version answer for that question. Okay, well, then let me dive in a little bit here and investigate because when I hear five kids, first of all, wow, I thought that my hands were full with three kids and you've got even more than that. So five kids, can you talk a little bit about how your balance when you and your wife got married and then if you had kids before you got married or, or talk a little bit about your balance as you started to have one, two, three, four, five and how your balance continued to shift while you also run a private practice? Can you give us your balance timeline or your narrative, please? That's a really good question. And try to make it instead of having a documentary, breaking it into a podcast here and answering it in this form. When we got married, we had our oldest. She's going on 25 or something. I'm not sure exactly what age, but she's going on some like older age. We had her a year after we got married. And at that time was in the beginning stages of starting my career. I was in grad school. I actually switched careers in a certain way. I always wanted to be a sports psychologist. I love sports. Yeah. What sport do you love? Like what's your sport? What's your main one? My sport to watch would be baseball and football. Okay. My sport to play would either be basketball or volleyball. Okay. Well, a little bit of curiosity here. Who are your teams? Because I already love you, but let's just make sure that you're not an Ohio State Buckeye. Please continue. I am not. I am an Arizona Wildcats fan. Beer down. I've been a lifelong ever since Sean Elliott and Steve Kerr days. Yes, sir. Yes, Arizona sir. Wildcats fan. Back so, Mike Baby and Miles um, Simon back in the day. I remember those days. Yes. Yeah. College basketball is probably one of my favorite. The March Madness, I look forward to every year. Just there's something so authentic and amazing about it. And I want to become a sports psychologist. And one of the prereqs I needed to take when I was in school is in child development and substance abuse and addictions. And it was an eye opener. And it really changed so much. And I told my wife, I'm switching. Anything that I have that I wanted to do, it's completely switching. And that's when we moved to Connecticut, where I'm located now. It's about, about 16 years ago. And here I am talking to you, working predominantly with young adults, teenagers, and their families as they are looking to work on the family dynamics and things that they might have been through developmentally trauma-wise in their youth. And that's where a lot of addictions even come from, which is something that I got trained in when I first started. 
So after my daughter was born and just starting to figure things out, I felt like even at the time where I was in grad school and then having a kid, things were moving. And two years later, my son, who's now 13, was born during a snowstorm. I'll never forget that. It's pretty crazy times. And it's still amazing. We're even here. It's my wife and I and versus the two. And then the third one came. And this, well, hold this on, hold on, like, hold on. I, I'm getting this vision that a snowstorm coming down. You can't get out of the house. So you're having the, the baby in the house in a tub or something. <laughs> So thank God we made it to the hospital. Everything was okay. My house that I was renting was all heat and we ran out of oil in the house. So there we are on Christmas day. The house has no heat whatsoever. And I have a three and a half week old in the house. Convincing the guy to come down to my house on Christmas to go and fill me up was an experience that I think my wife and my mother-in-law is still recovering from. My son doesn't remember it. There is trauma in infancy, but hopefully it's not something that he remembers. Mm -hmm. But that was an experience. And to continue you. The third one also, she was born more like late springtime, early summer. So my older ones were like a little bit older, easier to deal with. The fourth one loved her pieces. And she was born during a time that I was actually, I switched grad schools and I was traveling into New York City. So I was in the middle of moving to a new location. We just bought our first house. I was in grad school in New York City. And we had just had our fourth child all at the same time. And that was a hell of a year. That's when my wife and I like saying we became amateur bartenders during that time to help us out. And it was nice. It was a cool bonding experience of learning how to make certain drinks and share okay. together. Um, it worked out. I look back at it now, I could smile. I don't know if I could smile during those seven months. So even the first year, I don't know if my wife was here, maybe she would answer differently. So you guys got extra jobs as bartenders? Is that what you're saying? Wow. What I mean is at home, like we became really yes. good bartenders. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't clear on that. <laughs> yes, it helped us with COVID, that's for sure. Because by the time COVID came around, we were a professional. That's right. It's amazing. Everything was really good. And seeing the difference in ages and having to be a parent of so many different ages, I think that sometimes can be difficult because you have to wear so many different hats at once. And that's yeah. for sure. I think about can deal with in my office constantly, but also personally, I deal with teenage right now, a 16-year-old, a 13-year-old, and having a two-year-old. That's our job. I think one of the most important things that I picked up from a long time ago, and it's something that I talk about in my practice, is parenting is not about being perfect because there is no such thing as perfect parenting. Parenting is about realizing that we're trying to do the, do the best for them, and we're also valuable. We're also human, and we make mistakes. And I think kids need to see that because mom and daddy are normal, healthy people normal, healthy people make mistakes. They take responsibility, they take ownership. And yes. even if they did something wrong, they say, my bad, I'm sorry about that. And I shouldn't have raised my voice. And I think that lesson, we can give it to our kids just as much any other parenting lesson that we might be giving them. So yes. I think something that my wife and I are constantly working on, I do have to give her a big shout out as well, because you think about all moving and everything, there's no way this balance to work on. I could be where I am if not for her. I think she is for sure the bedrock of this in so many ways. I think that balance, which is constant juggling act, is something that we do together and having a partner that you're able to sort of bounce off. I remember someone recently sending me a clip, I think it was from Brene Brown, you know, talking about how her and her husband do it regarding, hey, you know, honey, I only got 60% today. It's like, okay, fine, I'll fiddle in another 40 as well, or I can only give this amount today. And I think sometimes when you have a partner able to go ahead and, and you can say, hey, I got a little bit less today. So the other one, yeah. I say, I got you, no problem, I'm here for that. 
And I've had so fortunate for almost 17 years to be able to have that and have a situation where that person is helping with my balance. But obviously that concept of the balance is so important because as much as I am passionate and I love what I do for work, it could be hard and difficult. I have to make sure that I'm dad when I come home. I have to make sure that I am yes. husband. I am not Hanania. I'm Mr. Abraham, the, the psychotherapist. And I think that's something that it's probably stabilized a little more now from just where I am career-wise with kids as well. But it's still, there's nothing new under the sun. And at the same time, I hear new things every day. You know, one person to want to talk about could be internalizing for them and that way they share it is very different than some might have come in last week that's the same type of story. So how that it impacts that person affect how that's going to impact me. And I might come home with it. So I had a supervisor a long time ago that he said, you have to have a break in between. So I got an office that used to be two minutes from home, but now I moved it let's say 10 minutes from home, one of my offices that I work in. So I have that car ride where I just on my own. There's no phone calls. I'm not calling anyone back. Sometimes I'm not even listening to music. I'm just sitting there by myself, just to sort of detox for the day. And as I walk into the front door of my house, I'll like step on the O of, of home. And that'll be like my detox button where everything is out and daddy is in. A physical reminder in order to go ahead and do that. Some people are able to do that mentally and great for them. And some people need to do it physically and great for them. There's no right way to do it. So yes. I think for everyone to be finding the thing that works for them is so important and yeah. finding the way that they're able to have that balance and making sure, let's say, come dinner time, which I'm not early enough to be home for dinner time. But when I get home, our emails and texts and messages is still coming in until seven, eight, nine o'clock, depending on, on what's happening in the house that night. Like, no, I'm not getting back to you. If I have to go back to my email, take care of some things, I'll do that. But for the most part, I really try not to being up from the hours of, of six to nine, just to make sure that I am creating that balance. And that balance doesn't have to be, okay, first I'm this, now I'm this. The yes. balance is also about, okay, I'm shifting and I'm changing out of this, and i.e. putting away the cell phone in a drawer, and I need to do that, and that's fine. I know if I get a text someone, oh, I couldn't get through to you, and I'll get back to you when I get back to you. Certainly. And, you know, it's not something that bothered me the way it used to, because yes. I want to get back. I want to be able to, to be on top of things, and sometimes it still is hard. Sometimes I would love to have my phone on me, and yes. this is what is best for the situation, and I think that really helps creating that balance. I think this is one of the biggest challenges for me. Every relationship leading up to when I finally met Julie and we got married is my phone was always on me. I never turned it off. It was like I was cheating on my relationship with my cell phone because I never turned the business off. And I love the way you've been able to create your own recipe. On the way home, you disconnect, you just have your you time, and then you step on the O of home as your switch. My switch with me right here in my hand, whenever I finish up work virtually, I have this little heart that has the word yes written on it. So I grab this and I say a little serenity prayer that helps me to transform from coach Matt to dad and husband Matt. And it's the same principle, same values. I simply turn off my phone and put it in a phone jail and I just go and playfully parent. I love that. That's my way of doing it. Is there any other thing you might have tried before the home? Because I know this is a big challenge for a lot of the people listening to our show is we're entrepreneurs or people that run, run really fast. And then how do you turn it off or how do you make that transition? So you figured it out. I've got a little something I do. How many things did you have to try before you got to the home as the way you do it now? That's a good question. The two things that come to mind is I would listen to music. I had my own mix that I put together that I would listen to that for a little bit. But then I realized I was getting more into the music than getting it to myself. 
which is nice. And I really like music. And I also needed to get to the way I like saying it is making a U-turn. I had to make a U-turn and get back to self so that I become dad. And that was very important. And that's something that taking the music out of it so it made me be more concentrating on self was very, very helpful. And it was by chance of of stepping on the O of home because during that time when my supervisor at the time mentioned it to me, I didn't even have that. And I remember we got a new mat in the back of the house and there was some lettering or some button that I could press. And that's where I got the idea from. And then a couple of years ago, getting the mat in the front of the house, and that was something that I thought, oh, okay, I like this. And I think it's also important to realize that that button changes constantly. The way I look at it, let's say a favorite food or a favorite drink or a favorite way to sleep, right? We're not going to sit here and say, well, I sleep in this exact position every single night since I'm an infant until I'm in my 40s and 50s. We change because our bodies change and our taste buds change. And I think for what we need to detox and to change that balance changes as well. So for right now, I know that this is working for me. And in a couple of months, it might not. I don't know yet. I have to stay curious with it. As a mentor of mine is ABC, the situation, always be curious. So I think that it's really helpful to be able to be in self in a way where, okay, is this working? Oh, it's not working. So I need something else? Okay. And and that's okay. If I need to go to a gas station to go get a coffee or, or a snack or something, and that's how I sort of switch it up, that's what I need right now. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not like I need to have ritual. The way I like talking about it as parents, and I think as an individual, as well. We want to be able to be palm trees and not pine trees. Palm trees are very flexible and they can withstand tornadoes and hurricanes. But put a pine tree in Florida, not going to last so long because it's going to snap eventually by the end of the season. As beautiful as they are, and they may have greenery on them all year round, but they don't move. And they're they're not able to sway back and forth. So they're beautiful and they're stubborn. And in heavy wind situations, they're going to snap. But we want to be, as parents, we want to be able to be palm trees where we're able to be flexible so that we can move in all directions, which is what the trees are able to do in both California and Florida because they can be more flexible. And I think that's our job is to be as flexible as possible because not just to be a parent because that's my middle name. So like, no, I need to be a parent because that's what that child needs. And I have to be a parent for them. I can't be a parent for what I think is right. I have to be a parent for what they need. And if they need certain things, that means obviously I have to be in a certain place and I have to be happy and healthy within self in order to help others. And the way I'm going to be happy and healthy for self is going to change. And it's going to be different. The same way you're not going to wear that same shirt for the next 50, 60 years because either things change, the body changes or it gets worn out. The same thing regarding what we need changes. And and I think that's something that took a little bit of time to accept. But I think first creating the awareness to that. And then once I was able to create that awareness, the acceptance followed shortly thereafter. How has your journey on being flexible versus more rigid, being more of a palm tree than a pine tree, how has your journey evolved since child number one, 16 years ago, all the way through now you have the fifth child as a two? How has that worked for you? Oh, gosh. If 16 years ago, I would say it's like day one of being a gymnast and now regarding flexibility. And I would say now it's like yeah. being a Olympian in that flexibility. So many things that change, like just think about how strict I am on things or lack thereof in a certain way and seeing what is the priorities. Yeah. And I would say one of the biggest lessons is realizing that I used to put my kids to bed at a certain time because I needed them to go to bed at a certain time. Oh, yes. Talk more about this place right now. (laughs) I would say with my baby, I know you have a bedtime, but let's say grandparents are over or it's a holiday time and you want to stay up a little bit more because your cousins are over. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And it's my problem that I have to deal with. 
yeah, I would love to go to bed so I can chill a little bit more. I don't have to have you bags in the back of my head on right now. And he's also allowed to be up. Like, hey, I think life is uh, the experiences we have and, and what are experiences than having family. And if, for, if I'm going to say, well, nope, it's your bedtime. Let's go to bed right this second. He's in the middle of doing something with his cousins that he doesn't see that often. I'll be taking away some amazing memories. And if that's on me, I have to suck it up and say, Hanania, stop it. Like he could go to bed a little later. That's okay. He doesn't have to go to bed this time. So I also think though for a parent to say, hey, I need my kids to go is also acceptable as well. And there's nothing wrong with that because mommy, daddy need time as well. They're human beings. So I'm not trying to say that you shouldn't keep to a schedule. And why are we doing it? And that comes back to that ABC of the situation. Okay, what am I doing right now? Why am I being strict on bedtime? And if let's say they need to say it's middle of finals time or they just came back late from something, doesn't mean that they have to be in bed within 30 seconds. There could be a little bit of like a leeway and okay. that's okay. So I think that's something okay. that is, is constantly changing with the situation that we're dealing with. And it's our job as parents to know what the situation is and to assess it in a way to know how to deal with it. Just to give a small example, I don't like it when there's cabinets or drawers that open in the kitchen. I haven't yet met the parent that likes when those things are left open. But the question is, when, where, and how I'm going to make a comment about it. And I think it's important to know what's happening okay. with them. Okay, what's happening right now? Yeah, they left that thing open. And are they late for the bus? So wait, I'm going to teach them a lesson to close it, but they might miss the bus now. So now they're going to be late and I have to drive them. So is it worth it to teach a lesson right now? Or is it something that I can do on my own, suck it up, suck up my own ego, and then come to it later and say, hey, we taught this all the time. Like, don't do things just for yourself. It's personal. So, you know, so whether whether it's out of the way or closing things up and and, but you have to, you know, pay it for it and get it ready for whatever it is and closing the drawer, closing the cab, the ways to go ahead and do that. And, and you know, that'll be greatly appreciated if you can do that. And it's for me to close it. And if even though I'm trying to teach a lesson and I think a parent has to really have a, an inside balance regarding what am I now? Am I teaching a lesson for them or am I trying to teach them a lesson for me? And our just to be teaching lessons mm. for them, not for us. Parenting for us, parenting is them. And that's, that's an area we go back to, to that, to that balancing is why am I doing this right now? Why am I upset? If my child's doing A, B, and C. What's happening? And I think when we're able to ask that question and assess what the room is like, oh, okay, so it's me. It's my problem. We could have to go around picking up all the laundry. Okay. So then if I don't do it, that means I have to teach them properly. Oh, okay. So I should teach them that when they, when they take off their clothes night before they get into bed, you know, we, there should be separate labeled hampers for the different things for how that thing is washed. So it's on me to make sure there are labels and there are the proper places for those items that they're not going to leave it on the floor. I'm giving that opportunity to them and saying, Hey, I know sometimes it could be hard. Look what I did. Is there anything else I can do to help you remember to go ahead and do it? Instead of it being something where it's, I can't believe everything we have to, I have to scream at you about not having, uh, you, you haven't put away your stuff yet. And that could be very discouraging as a parent. And also as there's a rule that yeah, comes, comes from uh, one of the books that, that, that the uh, explosive child, uh, green, um, highly recommended, um, standing, uh, uh, the parenting perspective from an illustrated colonically, uh, in fact, Flexible children, which nowadays is, is most children more than anything else, but uh, talks about uh, the the three to one or the four to one ratio. Uh, for every or four, okay. I recommend four compliments when you could do one reprimand and keeping it to that rate. You have a child that's uh, pre-teenage years and they're starting to go into their own world, the only things that exist. 
and they're leaving towels on the floor of the bathroom, leaving toothpaste in the sink. They're they're taking chips for snack and they're just leaving it on the counter all out and not even closing the cabinets and taking off their shoes right where they where they did their snacks by the door and just left it there for the next morning and the, for mom to trip over. She's going to make her coffee. As If they're doing all these yes. things and why are we getting upset at them? Are we getting upset at them for us? Are we getting upset at them because they should know better and there should be a rhyme and reason why things are not done? And there should be a rhyme. There should be a time and a place for where things should be put and how they should be put away. And it's not just about, you know, you can never take snacks again. It's like, okay, let's try to figure out to make it that you doing what you're supposed to, preparing your, your backpack the night before and also not leaving popcorn on the floor as you're making your lunch bag for tomorrow, as you're preparing your... And I think a concept that um, what the terminology is called, but um, um, in the Atomic Habits, are you familiar with uh, the book? Very familiar. Yeah. yeah. He talks talks about is uh, the the three to one or the four to one ratio. Here, the concept of is like association, a healthier association where where you have something that you don't like doing with something that you like doing. Uh, the way it was brought to, brought to mm. my attention was I was in and and we were talking about this concept with half uh, with teenagers. And she said, you know. She loves showering, but she hates floss. Took a pack of, of the single floss pick and attached it to her shampoo. So now every, she's also going to be uh, using the floss pick, which I thought was a genius idea. So having that of an association of doing something together with that you like doing. So let's say uh, you're winding down and they're going to be, you know, there's a certain game they wanted to play. Okay, so download them on, 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 a, on a, their device. And... You want to be able to say, okay, no problem. When all these things are done, so when you take care of the snacks neatly, when you put your knapsack in front of the house, when your shoes are where they're supposed to be, and you take care of all your hygiene, when you can watch the game or play play the game. So there's a association. It's more than just an incentive. It's more like, well, for the game to happen, this has to happen. It becomes something where it's it, it becomes a habit of, all right, I'm going to take snacks, make sure I'm cleaning up around me. I'm going to brush my teeth, do A, B, C, D, E, and then I could go ahead and have a few to my game. So it becomes... A association. I'm like, oh my god, I'm such a slave here. I have to clean up all. This. Obviously, not what you know. Depending on the child, it can come off. It can make us sound like we're like we're like the worst people in the world for making them close the cabinet, close up the bag of chips, and put the and put the clip back on, put it away. Like, oh my god, we are the worst. Yes. What is it that we hear? And, and I think it's also important uh, to to realize when our kids talk that way. There's a way that we have to react to them. I would, yeah, for sure, most of the time, if not even more than that, I would say our kids are not looking to be the chutzpah to, to, to a parent. It's more like they're looking for a certain attention, reaction, or a response. Yes. And it's our job, to, like we are talking about before, starting to take that ego to make sure, like, okay, what did I just hear? And what were they trying to say? And what is the point of so putting it, it putting it in a in a in a way where, for ourselves where it's not about, well, I can't believe you just said that to me. How dare something like that to me? Well, why did they say that? What's going on? What are they upset about? Oh, okay. They just, they broke up with a, with a friend or a girlfriend at school or a test. And, you know, they they spilled on themselves on, and by the lunch and they were dirty the whole day. In other words, didn't sleep all the night before. So now they come home and say, supper sucks. I'm like, you're the worst cook. And like, I can't stand being here. It's not a reflection on us. It's a reflection of what they're yeah. going. Through. And that's our job. That's why yes. I talked about before making a U-turn. Okay, what's happening? Asking that question. Like yes. what's happening? What am I not doing? Um, how do I how do I get a bigger band? Um, 
understand what the situation is. And I think that the lesson of the ABC is really helpful. And and something as we talked about it off the air, the set of infos and and, and which I, I interpret and I, I talk about in my practice is, as awareness, I think is helpful. And and also we were talking like we were talking about regarding getting into bed and finding that comfortable spot. It's gonna be a little bit different almost every day, just the spot for you're doing. I think I think awareness and mindfulness works the same way where it's going to be different for every person. There is no right way to go about doing mindfulness. There's your way, a way that works for you. And it's going to be different for, for every person. So I think real is something that is important in order to get started. Doing is for the, I guess, they, you know, there are so many different people that talk about it. So I understand it. It's it's being able to go into self and to create an, a non-judgmental aware of who I am and where and 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 what I am able to deal with and co-own right now, and 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 that's something that you know as parents, if we can have those little moments where we have where you know where we're taking a second to, to stretch our or to have have a moment of silence where we're able to just take a break. It's key when those other situations come up of, I hate you, you're the worst, you're the worst. that food here sucks. I'll fill it in the way, any way you like, where those things us anymore because because we realize that, oh, okay, they're in a bad place. But you, we can only realize that if they're in a place, if we're in a good place, and that's going to come from taking care of ourselves. That's going to come from that mindfulness. That's going to come from having a cough and making, making that, that. And I think that's something that, you know, as much as I talk about this in my practice a lot, it's for sure something that I do. And it's, 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 it's a constant. I'm not going to say struggle, but it's a constant working for get to the place where I'm going to be better. And as long as it has, a, has that motto of what am I doing different today? than I did, was yesterday, and how can I be better tomorrow than I am today? And I think that constant focus of what am I, what am I doing, I think that will uh, constantly help the situation because the way you're dealing with this 16-year-old is going to be different than your 16-year-old, and it's, it's, ju- it's just different. It's not better, same, or worse. It's just, and I think that you know, can, we can uh, really internalize more as well. I'm super curious here because you say ABC. Every time I hear ABC, I keep thinking always be closing. You know, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, Alec Baldwin back in the day. And now you're giving me new meaning to ABS and I love this. And I'm curious about one, if you continue to, maybe this is just me playing this out. And you continue to use the word and. And you know, to me, and is a builder word. It's a word, it's one of them. It's the opposite of both. Uh, and I hear and so frequently. I, I'm just curious, Am I? am I just hearing things here making up my own narrative frequently say hey, it's a little bit a little bit around that i'm doing it as other a colleague that i with okay. use it a lot when we're when we're talking with some like shops together and someone will, will make a comment and and will answer it in a way of yeah you're supposed to be doing this and this so it's not like either or it's more yeah. like do this and do this and do this but I think emphasizing the and which i guess as i do i guess in in, in, in sort of time so when i'm talking on this uh, i mean, i think it's there's there's more to the answer the answer that that's given when it comes to something like this you know much as i can say and i'm i'm myself a good parent and a professional i'm in a place where i work this this population and these type of of issues i don't think i'm a expert and I don't think there is any one answer because there's so many different ways to go about it and whatever you works for. So it's it's yes. it's something that I think is so important that we have to really curious, right? That's to, to, to see what what's working. I know there are so many things my wife done with our, with our two oldest ones that are for my third and fourth, especially my fourth, it's not working. And we have to come up with like a plan. You know, it's uh, it's, it's like... Um, yeah. 
I don't know, the, the movie coming to mind is Little Giants, where, you know, they lose every single time to the Cowboys. Every single time, except that one time where they do this, these couple of trick plays and next thing you know, they won, right? You know, and, and that's all that matters. And and that's what we're supposed to be doing. Every single day, every single moment is a new battle, is a new game. And, and it's intentional because that right here, right now, and my job changes all the time with that. So I don't think I have all the answers. Hopefully my experience and, and this feeling of inside has been helping. I, I parenting doesn't end and never ends. Changes from, you know, when when you're thinking of having a child up until your your child and grandchild is uh, gra- hopefully we're, we're we're all blessed to see that. Except of seeing the so many different stages is 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 a blessing and we all want it. And that's gonna happen by trying to be as curious with self as possible so that I know what to do in that situation as best as possible. Great answer. Thank you. Uh, I've, I've taken so many notes here. We could go in so many directions. I'll go to a different direction here. I'd like to go to your podcast, which has the most catchy, amazing name. Can you talk a bit about your podcast and how you do the podcast? Oh, um, I radar I, I, and a lot of, of podcasts that came about. And I know that's where I took off for, for a lot of people saying that be uh, a, a, new, a new line of business. like the concept of to, to listen to uh a show that I'm intrigued in or intrigued to hear, hearing more about them when and where I want, having for commercials or turning the radio to radio dial to make sure to be at this radio station at this time. So it was always intriguing to me in that sense. And I've had a few podcasts that I've really learned a lot from both information, but also um, from a interview point of view. Really, as some someone uh, questions thing, I, I a lot of color and what it means to actually ask and ask the right question. I think between all those things and wanting to do more than just office and individuals or or groups or families and which I love doing uh, I want to have a, a further reach to talk about parenting and on a much broader scale okay. and that's where the concept originally came. and it's been a re- starting this I think on August where where we start the podcast and uh, I think that concept of parenting is easier because no one's ever said it and it's it's that doesn't mean it's not amazing it doesn't mean it's and it could be the thrill and job of and it also depends on what our attitude is. And, and when we're able to yes. go ahead and see that, hey, someone else is dealing with this also. So this issue is something that someone's dealing with. Oh, really? So there are other parents that can learn issues or, uh, or nursing issues or about uh, that, you know, the husband can more more aware of as a uh, spouse is, is, is pregnant and how to care of the other children. That could, be, that could be given over. And I realize and feel, oh, I'm not alone. I'm not the only crazy person out there, only one that's feeling blank. You know, I want people to that, you know, we're all going through this. Let's speak to people that, that whether it's perspective, I don't know, but maybe that's the right way, right, 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 like a healthier perspective on, on this, more of a comic. And just taking topics a little bit, a little uh, from, from Italy, Brazil, and Zealand, and Russia, and uh, just having all contact. And, and just it, it's so cool to see. And uh, I have so much I needed to learn because I'm, I, it's not like, all right, let, let me do a podcast. And then the next day, just start a podcast. So play. It's like, you know, it's a, uh, I think that anyone that wants to do it, I, I encourage it, but also know what you're getting yourself into. There's a lot there. Yeah. It's, there it's, man, it's, it's awesome. And um, I'm very, very fortunate. And that, in my podcast and, and interviewing Rena, that's, uh, that's how you and I met. So, uh, Yes, sir. Thing is easy. Said no one ever. I'm looking at your Instagram right now. I got the YouTube channel up uh, that we can follow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the Parenting is Easy podcast is where I'm at on Instagram right now. It's, it's got it's got a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Check out. 
so I'd love to uh, start to pivot here because we've got about 10 more minutes to go. How many questions ask you yet? So I want to ask you one. Uh, you work with teenagers and parents and you, you help them. And I'm curious, why did you start that? I didn't get a chance to ask you yet. Why this path? Because you made a shift when you were in grad school. Okay, we have to, I, I had I had a mentor that when I first started out, unfortunately, he's, he's not with us anymore. But he said, when you're starting out in the field, he said, take any type of job or situation, focus on anything specific. Just go from bariatrics, you know, at home to uh, to the facilities and, and 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 inpatient facilities, taking at everything because you want to be able to have to have that experience. And I'm fortunate to be able to have the awesome as an intern when I went, when I was a rookie in the field, of walks of life and diverse backgrounds of uh, of my clients and situations that I was. It was something that I sort of I gravitated to over time with teenagers and young adults that resonated. I, I look at it, I'm very, I think about it all the time that I had amazing teenage years, um, had an amazing time in high school, loved, loved, loved every second of it. And I know, unfortunately, a lot of people don't get to um, really enjoy those for four years. I feel very, very fortunate yeah. to be able to people in the end of transitioning through a huge, into a huge stage in life real academic responsibilities first time where social the shows the so such important of growth and and the, to be able to assist with the way i look at it all like um, there's a tree of life and it's the teen, young adult years and i i, I teenager probably is of about 15 on the younger on the younger end till about i hope they're not okay. going to kill me but i would say till about 23 24 on the older end so uh it's not just from okay. thirdly there's Things have, there has there has been a shift. Um, if people want to know more information on that, they could read from uh, Dr. Leonard Sachs to talk to someone. But called um, uh, Boys, I forgot what else. He has a few 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 amazing uh, of a development change. But but basically, dealing has been something that um, I just I'm not going to say I laugh. Just gravitated to just based on where I was and where my career, loving it and wanting to work with my motto that I have I have, I have on my website, which is CUF Therapy, um, and maybe we'll, I'll put it into the show notes. Um, my motto is how to like kids as much as you love them. That's about kids. And we'll do, we'll bend over backwards for them, but we don't always like them. And sometimes we wish they just went away and we could just press the mute button and we can't and we have to learn how to deal with that and by the way when i say these words i say with a smile on my face because this eyes to me fold uh this is not something that i just teach it's something that i need to learn as well uh, or when when i'm able to sort of put words to it able to say it in a way where it's it's something i know i need to work on as well and and some love to work with in that uh, it's awesome it's i feel very very blessed to be able to to be this way fantastic well this is uh this has been great to know you and speak. And I'd like to uh, move us to the place where you share all the places we can find you. So if we want to find out more with you, where do we go first? And please get a place. Hey, so that's a really, really good question. Um, I would say if you want to hear about me, I'm email through contact contact me through my email address through my uh, website which is cuftherapy.com that's c-y-u-a-h therapy.com and you can sign up for the newsletter you hopefully be starting to go out with, with um we're on instagram twitter handle is uh the instagram handle is parenting is easy said no one ever spelled out as is except for the o-n-e -E, it's the number one uh, get updates there yes. all from the fact that i do a podcast uh, can be found anywhere you find podcasts. it's parenting is easy 
uh, podcast, and it's uh, of myself that um, you know has so it's something that uh, I guess well, it was fun to make because that was something that we all have to deal with in some way, shape, or form. It may not be kids sneaking out of a house; it could be kids it's specific, but that's where that's where the goal is. And I I believe when you add the concept of more into what it is that we do further regarding things that uh, were accomplished in a very, very fruitful world of parents. So, guess wherever you were, whether a YouTube channel and and there's also on Spotify and the, the uh, podcast, um, you can find it as well. It's Hanania Abraham. And uh, if you have any, you can email me as well to, to my podcast email, which is parentingiseasypodcast at gmail.com. Fantastic. Thank you. And Hanania, I've, I've got three last questions here in the lightning round to wrap things up today. And so the first question is around books. And you've already recommended a couple today. You recommended first The Explosive Child by Dr. Ross Green. You recommended Boys Adrift by Dr. Leonard Sachs. And I'm curious if you have one or two other books that come to mind that I recommend to our listeners. Are we talking about personal books? We're we talking about books on parenting. Just anything that you have found influential or impactful in your life in any genre? Okay, so the first thing that comes to mind, I'm looking for my copy over here, but I think I just lent it out. Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. I think both personally and professionally, that would have to be the first one on my list. I have purchased that book so many times to give out to friends. It's hands down, I think, one of the best pieces of literature written in the past century. So that's something I would highly recommend. I have another two. So I'll just I'll throw in like two little squeeze in over here. So the first is The Teenage Whisperer by Mike Linderman. It's a really, really good book. And I really enjoy the concept of, of learning about teenagers a lot from that book. I found it very, very helpful. And also The Body Keeps the score, Bessel van der Kolk, who I consider a mentor. I'm very lucky to get some supervision from him. So that's something I would recommend his book as well regarding how trauma affects the brain and how that manifests itself into adulthood. So I think for, for both parents and for the reader themselves, it could be very, very helpful. And honestly, anything by Dan Siegel, I think is also a monumental figure in the world of parenting and psychology. I recommend any one of his books. Thank you. Okay, good. Well, let's go to, to music then. If there's a certain artist or song or genre that really inspires you and fills your bucket, what might be your, your musical choice? I don't know why, but right now, my song that I'm listening to is Believer by Magic Dragons. I hope you're there for me. I'm forgetting the name of the song, but big fan of a lot of his music as well. Right now, that's what's coming to me. But I think music is something that really is so personal that different times, like I could listen to Kansas, The Dust in the Wind. Obviously, that song came out a really long time ago, but every now and then it turned into what, what I'm in like, and it just like, you know, I'll get a little, little glassy eyed. And, you know, it really depends on, on what the mood is, to be honest. Fantastic. Okay, well, we are down to the final question, and I'll give you the last word today, Hananya, the final question. The name of our show is The Eternal Optimist Podcast. When I say the words Eternal Optimist, what does that mean to you? Actually, a person came to mind, my grandfather. So when you say those words, for someone that was always positive constantly, I mean, he's not with us anymore, but he's just someone that sticks out to me as someone that was internally an optimist and constantly always seeing the good in things. And I think we always have the option to see and feel what a situation is. And yes, it could be raining and it could be I just missed my bus and it could be that I'm getting all wet. And there are things that I can still look at to be an optimist. And that's up to us. And it's internal and no one can change that. And like Victor Frankl says, is that they'll never have control over my mind. I'll never be in jail on my mind. And I get to decide that. And if we make it internal inside of us, if we stay curious and we bring it inside, we make a U-turn like, okay, so what can I be grateful for? What can I say that is going to be more on the optimist side of things, which I get to decide no one else does. So that's what I think of my grandfather. And that's the lesson that I'm thinking of right now.